0: What is up, Venue Church? Hey, listen, this is Nate Puccini, again from Substance Church. And uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I I get the opportunity to serve as one of the overseers of Venue Church. And Pastor Corey is one of my close friends. and And listen, another week that Substance Church can come now and we can partner together and we can do church service together. And you're gonna be hearing from Pastor Peter Haas, my pastor, the lead pastor of Substance Church. He has an amazing word prepared for you today. And I believe it's gonna speak to you I believe it's going to give you some insight, some wisdom, some direction for your life. I want to invite you right now as we prepare to go into this message, would you just lean in, listen, take notes, get ready to receive from God today. And I believe as you do that, you're going to leave today encouraged with just a stronger hope and a stronger direction for your life. Just want to welcome you into this sermon right now. If you come to Substance for any period of time, you've heard us say a, a statement, these four steps. You've heard us say this so many times, but I wanna repeat it to you, okay? So our goal, we want, if you come to Substance, our hope is that you would know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference, right? You hear that line a lot at all of our campuses, that you would know God, Find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Now, when you and I give our lives to Christ, God actually takes us through those four steps. And it's very important that you understand there's an order to that, okay? It starts with knowing God, then it comes to finding freedom after you know God, then you discover your purpose. There's an order, and that order matters, for example, okay, let's say you're, you, you, you think you know your purpose, you've discovered your purpose, and you're trying to make a difference, and yet your finances are always screwed up, you've never gotten a budget, you've never gotten financial freedom, or maybe you've gotten financial freedom, but you've never gotten freedom from this one addiction, you're addicted to alcohol, pornography, whatever. Now that order, makes it, it matters because you're attempting to take step three or four, but it's almost like you're, you're trying to run with your shoelaces tied together. I don't know if you've ever tried to do that, but you cannot run very fast. And if you try to do that, you're gonna fall flat on your face. And here's the deal. God loves you too much to let you try to run with your shoelaces tied together. That's why find freedom, it unties those laces, enables you to run with a full stride. There's an order to it, okay? So God has an order to your life and you gotta focus on the right step at the right time. And really that's what we're trying to do as a church is help you discern what phase you are in. And don't get me wrong, you're always repeating these four steps. Um, but I, I do believe that, that there's an order to it. In some ways, the process that I'm describing is what we call sanctification. Sanctification, it's the process of becoming who God called us to be. And this process of sanctification works a lot like Maslow's hierarchy. Does anybody remember Maslow's hierarchy? You might have studied this in school, but, but for, let me just explain it to you for a second. Over the past 70 years, there's this guy by the name of Abraham Maslow, and he came up with what he calls a theory of human motivation that's become the bedrock of American psychology. Now, Maslow argued that there are five fundamental needs that motivate all human beings. If you want to understand human beings, you have to understand what motivates them, and he came up with five things, and then over the last like five decades, it's been expanded into eight Philippians. Things, okay. Now, in case you don't know what these eight needs in this hierarchy, think of like a pyramid, or think of like a hill you're trying to run up. These five, th- these eight needs create a hierarchy. I'm going to quickly list them out for you, and, and in, ca- in case you don't know them. And now, keep in mind, Maslow's hierarchy is not the Bible, and so you don't have to agree with these. I just, but it, but it'll it'll um, set up our Bible text for today. And so I want you just to quickly listen. To these eight, these eight, this hierarchy of eight needs. Okay, so Maslow argued that all human beings have this sequential order and you have to meet them in sequence, okay? And people, if you don't get this lower need met, you will have what we call arrested development. In other words, you'll stop maturing, you'll stop growing as a human being and you'll always slide back down to your greatest unmet need, okay? And that the foundation of the hierarchy is need number one, physical needs, physical needs, these are basic needs, things like air, things like food, things like water, shelter, warmth, sleep. If somebody is lacking these things, then they're lacking physical needs. Studies show that in the United States, 85% of Americans have their physical needs met, but there's still 15% who do not have their physical needs met, okay? So need number two is what we call safety needs. Safety needs. We need the, the feeling of security, the feeling of protection. We need law. We need order. We need limits. We need stability. That's why we have laws. That's why we have, um, that's why we have locks on our doors, okay? That's why we learn self-defense. These types of things, safety needs. And, and this is also why you and I will stay with what's familiar even when it's not good for us. We tend to stay with what's familiar. That's why people will stay in terrible jobs or abusive relationships. Why? Why would somebody stay in an abusive relationship? Well, if they def- if they get their physical needs met through that relationship, some people are d- financially dependent upon somebody, or sometimes they get a sense of security from that relationship even if that relationship is dysfunctional, they, they again it meets a need, okay? So research indicates that about of people in our country have these needs met. Now, that also means one out of four people do not feel secure. They do not feel safe. Okay, so you can kind of put this in perspective, a lot of the debates that we're having as a culture, just put this through the filter of Maslow's hierarchy for a second, okay? Physical needs, safety needs, one out of four people do not feel their safety needs are met, Number three is what we call love needs or the need to belong, okay? Love needs the, the need to belong everyone needs a sense of family they need a, a sense of intimacy with the people around them it's like why teenage girls love to fangirl they love to belong to a group you know what I'm saying one direction you know what I'm saying like our, our, or people get into uh, you know sports fans they like to rally for their sports right they get their team logo tattooed on their body they people want to belong to something they want to belong to political parties they want to belong to fraternities and sororities or, or belong to a church. That's why at Substance, we're always talking about people getting four to seven friends here at Substance. We want you to belong. We want you to join a small group and a ministry team today, you hear us say every week. You see, now what's interesting about this third need is that according to research, only 50% of Americans have this need met, that they feel like they truly belong to something, a family, a tribe who, who they actually do life with, okay? And so in America, a lot of people have their, their physical and their safety needs met, but they, th- there's an epidemic lack of family, an epidemic lack of intimacy, an epidemic lack of accountability and belonging, okay? And you can see now over the years, I've traveled the world and helped churches in the Middle East to the Far East, and uh, and our church helps fund church planting all over the globe. And it's interesting how, based on the needs of a country, if you're in a first world country, the needs of the, the the church has to specialize in, 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 meeting needs higher in Maslow's hierarchy, whereas when you go to third world countries, they have to specialize in meeting needs lower on that hierarchy. Now don't get me wrong, I believe that every healthy church is gonna help meet all the needs of the hierarchy, but you can kinda get the idea of how this kind of works. Meeting needs, okay, so now uh, need number four in Maslow's hierarchy is what we call esteem needs. The need, like self-esteem, we need to feel special. It's the, it's the need to feel appreciated, to feel valued. You want to be a team member. You want to actually have people appreciate you. When people don't feel appreciated or successful, they'll do some pretty strange things in order to accomplish that need. Of course, this can get kind of complicated because what is success? Success. What does success look like to you? Well, your definition of success may not be that person's definition of success. And so it's kind of hard to appreciate everybody according to their definition of esteem. You know, so for example, um, everybody esteems, their, gets their success differently, right? Some people, their metric of success is money, Other people, it's fame. Other people, it's power. If they don't have power, they don't feel esteemed. If they don't get paid better, they don't don't feel esteemed. And so the the problem with this, this part of the hierarchy, is that it's like grabbing the wind. No amount will ever make you feel satisfied. And not surprisingly, less than 40% of people feel like they're appreciated or successful. 60% of all people feel like they are not esteemed enough. They're not valued enough according to their definition of value. Now, I want to stop for a second because there are certain behaviors that will actually cause you to slide down the hierarchy. In other words, you can make it up to need number five and then slide right back down to need number two. Uh, For example, um, so the the idea behind all of this, if you, you acquire an addiction, let's say, Let's say you become addicted to drugs. Drugs will pull you down the pyramid. It'll pull you down the hierarchy, so to speak. Uh, Because why? Well, an addiction causes you to alienate your friends. It causes you to manipulate people. It causes you to mooch off of people, which is need number three. It causes people to dismantle the relationships in their lives. And so all of a sudden they slide all the way down to number two. And that addiction also causes you to override safety, right? So like a heroin addict sharing a needle, it causes you to do things that are completely unsafe, or an alcoholic who loses track of consciousness, they don't even know what they did last night, Um, they're taking foolish risks for the sake of a fix, okay, so they, they override their safety, so you get the idea how these are sequential, If you get, there's certain behaviors that will cause you to slide back down. You'll never feel successful, need number four, if you don't have close friends to share it with, need number three, okay? Or you'll never be open to having intimate friends if you never feel safe around people, and so you're never vulnerable with people, need number two. You see, the idea here is this. Our most basic unmet need will blind you and will arrest your development, your most basic unmet need will blind you and arrest your development. Some of you, the reason why you keep hitting a lid in your life is because you're actually blind to a deeper issue in your life that you can't see. Okay, for example, I used to have a coworker who had a massive deficiency in need number four, esteem needs. This person had a low self-esteem and they, they, they had never had parents who believed in him um, or encouraged him. And so he had this insatiable need to look successful all the time. This person thought they were vulnerable, but they were never vulnerable. Uh, and in fact, they had such a low self-esteem that they were always sabotaging their coworkers without realizing it. And, and so finally I confronted him on some of the selfish things he was doing and he was shocked like uh, like me, I'm, you think I'm selfish? And it was like, obviously, you keep doing these mean things to your coworkers to sabotage them. He literally could not see it because he was blinded by his unmet need. You see, and I think that all of us actually can be blinded by our unmet needs. This guy, he kept losing job after job after job. And of course, the problem was always his boss or his coworkers. Everywhere he went, the problem was out there. Have you ever met a person where the problem is always out there? You see, I think all of us have a tendency to make the problem out there because we we don't want to look. It's so painful to look inside. You see, but all of us have needs, we have fears, we have triggers, and if we don't deal with those things in our hearts, we're always going to slide back down. Success is always going to be elusive, And, and, and so need number five in Maslow's hierarchy is what we call cognitive needs. Okay, so for example, we all have a need to mentally understand our world. We, we Basically, this is a worldview need. It's a need to have intellectual understanding. So this sermon will actually appeal to your cognitive needs, okay? We all wanna understand what is it that causes terrorism? What is it that causes economic prosperity? What is it that causes poverty? What is it that causes a good marriage to thrive? What is it that causes violence? These types of things. If you're a Christian, you get these needs fulfilled at church. You wanna know, how can I be a better parent? Okay, so if you're a Christian, you satisfy those needs with a Christian worldview. You read your Bibles, you listen to to, to Christian books, okay, or podcasts, worldview, okay? Now, if you're a non-Christian, a lot of non-Christians, they turn to politics, in order to fulfill this need. They turn to political theories, or conspiracy theories, right? They turn to worldviews that will satisfy their need. They're, they turn, news anchors and pundits become their pastors. Okay, or, or some people, they don't look to the news, they look to activist organizations. They become members of the ACLU, or they become members of the NRA, or pick your acronym, okay? It's a worldview, it's an identity, it's a filter through which they get purpose, and they see the world. Now, the problem with this is that many of these worldviews that we like to see that meet our cognitive needs, uh, they might meet our cognitive needs and they give us a sense of control, but they don't necessarily lead us to peace or health. Does that make sense? In other words, it may meet your cognitive needs, but it may not lead to peace and health. There's a lot of cognitive needs that are also poisonous and lead to death, and so it's really important how we feed ourselves. In the Bible, we call it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The source of all sin was really a knowledge tree. It was people meeting cognitive needs but it was outside of the life-giving spirit of Christ. You can have good and evil knowledge that doesn't lead to life. Even good knowledge can lead to sin, genocide, and torture. Did you know that? You can be right, but you can be dead right. And that's cognitive needs. And so we have to be aware of how we're meeting our cognitive needs as Christians. Um, number th- six in the Maslow's hierarchy is aesthetic needs, okay? This is the need for beauty, the need for style, the need for uniqueness. It's what drives us to have fashion. It's what drives us to wear makeup. It's what drives us to, dr- to drive a certain style of car or listen to a certain type of music or shop at a certain store, okay? And we want all of these. It's an aesthetic need. Number six, we want to feel unique. We want to have self-expression. We want to stand out from the crowd. And some of those needs, let me tell you, somebody are expensive. Like my wife has expensive aesthetic needs. I love you, baby. I love you. Okay. So, uh, but uh, so that's number six. Number seven is what we call self-actualization needs. Okay. Self-actualization. This is the need to realize your full potential, your full potential. For example, self-actualization. If you devote yourself to football, you wanna play in the Super Bowl. You, know you wanna to get to your full potential. You wanna to get to the top of the pyramid. If you devote your life to music, you wanna open up on the Grammys, or at the very least, okay, some of you are like, I will never be that good, okay, and I know it, okay, but at the very least, you wanna achieve your full potential. You wanna to get to the highest level that you possibly can get to, and, and that's what self-actualization is. It's you reaching the highest level of, chi- of achievement that you are capable of. Now, originally, Maslow assumed that self-actualization was actually the highest need a person could achieve in their pursuit of happiness. And yet, over the years, something strange happened. Researchers started to acknowledge there's all sorts of successful people who are completely unhappy. There's no way that's the top need. We've seen all sorts of famous actors and billionaires and CEOs and Nobel Prize winners who are completely unhappy. Many of them are even suicidal. And so clearly there are some needs that go above self-actualization. It's kind of like what comedian Jim Carrey once said, uh, the actor-comedian, listen to what he said. He said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that They can see it's not the answer. You know what I'm saying? I think we all know rich people, famous people, good looking people, they have everything circumstantially that people could normally want and yet they aren't fulfilled. There's a greater need they're missing in their life and so researchers eventually added an eighth need at the very top of Maslow's hierarchy and it's called this. The eighth need is this, transcendence needs transcendence needs, and what is transcendence? It's the need to help other people, the need to help other people. You see, the greatest joy in life, the ultimate need in life is not self-actualization, need number seven, but it's actually helping other people experience self-actualization are you hearing me it's not about us achieving our potential none of those things ever fulfill I think about even my own life a lot of people you know will, will ask me like what's the most what's what's the most fulfilling thing for you and and a lot of people they think you know was it writing your first book or was it writing your first and, and I'm like no the moment I wrote my first book I'm like mm. Who cares about writing a book if you can't have it be a bestseller? And so then, then I finally write a bestseller. Ferosectomy was my first Amazon bestseller. And I thought it would like suddenly supply all my needs. And I would just like, "Ah," the rest of my life. And then literally within two weeks, I'm like, what, what, what's my next book going to be? You know, like I immediately started worrying about the next thing. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. You prayed and you prayed and you prayed that you could get married. And finally you were like, oh my gosh. Now my next prayer is how do I stay married? right, and then, and then you're praying, and then I want to have kids, and then you're praying, Lord, let me have kids, and then you're like, ah, and then you finally have a kid, and you're like, Lord, what do I do with this kid, you know what I'm saying, ah, and then it's like, it's almost like your your blessings become your burdens, you know what I'm talking about, you see, I ultimately, I, I, the, the most fulfilling thing in my life is helping people actually fulfill their calling. The most fulfilling thing on my life is not standing on the stage, but it's helping other people stand on the stages of their lives, whatever that means for you. I, I just, in my heart, I keep thinking, oh, Lord, what can we do to empower people to live their best life? The, the, the plan that God has for them. That's why I'm always even quoting here at Substance that, that we always, I always tell people, hey, people who volunteer rate themselves seven times happier than people who don't. Did you know that? People who volunteer at church on a weekly basis rate themselves seven times happier than people who do not serve on a weekly basis. What is the difference? It's transcendence. It's people living for other people. It's, it, it's, it, in fact, here's where Maslow had it wrong, okay? Let me just critique this using the words of Jesus now for a second, okay? Because here's where the Bible actually disagrees with Maslow's hierarchy. You see, the Bible actually teaches that without God in our lives, it's actually impossible to meet any of our needs. Did you know that? Without God, in, our, in him we live, move, and have our being the Bible says. It's impossible to meet any of our needs consistently without God. Uh, For example, without God, you will never feel secure enough you will never make enough money to feel secure. Can I just tell you that right now for need number two? And eventually, your friends will inevitably let you down because they're not Jesus, which disrupts need number three. At some point in your life, you're gonna need to find new friends in a new season of life. You get married and your single friends don't wanna hang out with you as much, right? You have kids and then you're troubleshooting. Well, how do I, you know, be a successful parent? You, every season of life requires a different set of friends. You see? it changes and even when you finally own the cool car, right, you finally got rid of your loser cruiser, (laughs) right? I remember right after I finally ditched my rusty minivan, for the first time and I got a nice car. You know what, even when you get your cool car and your artistic house and you have all the right clothing that you can aesthetically express yourself, need number six, you're still gonna feel empty, and why? It comes back to the scripture I share every single week at Substance, Psalm 62, one. Your soul finds rest in God alone. Your soul finds rest in God alone. Your salvation comes from him, not from getting all these circumstantial needs met in your life. God is the only one solution to every one of these eight needs in Maslow's hierarchy. In fact, Jesus actually even took it a step further. It's very interesting. When Jesus recruited his disciples, he recruited people from across the political spectrum he didn't just recruit people that had all the same political worldviews. He picked, I mean, he picked a, a, you know, a tax collector and then he, he picked a zealot. I mean, these were the exact opposite on the political spectrum as his 12 executives. Think about this, okay? What was he doing here? You see, Jesus taught you can come up with a million political solutions to meet each and every need in Maslow's hierarchy, but listen, you can't legislate sin out of a culture. You realize that, right? You, you realize that you cannot use a political solution to solve a spiritual problem, right? You realize that, right? The world doesn't realize that, but we as Christians, we're different. This is why we can all work together because ultimately we know there is no such thing as a political solution to a spiritual problem. We are united in the fact that there is only one solution on planet Earth and that's surrendering to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we believe as Christians. That's why we have unity with one another, unless of course we don't believe that. And a lot of people don't, a lot of Christians don't even believe the very foundation of our worldview. And I'm not saying we shouldn't try to create political solutions, but listen, I think God knows all laws are temporary except for God's laws. I I mean, you look at every revolution throughout the history of humankind, it's just a big pendulum that swings back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The only person that is good at justice is God. Okay, and I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that we shouldn't try, but Jesus essentially argued the only need you really have to focus on, if we really wanted to point our culture in the proper direction, the only need you really have to focus on is transcendence, the tippy top of the hierarchy. As Jesus put it, to use his words, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things that everyone is running after they'll just be supernaturally added to you. Come on, somebody. In other words, if you meet God's need, you just go after transcendence, helping other people experience the kingdom of heaven, everything else in the hierarchy will take care of itself. And that's where I wanna go right back to the four steps I mentioned in the beginning. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, make a difference. These four steps are basically the four keys to the top of the hierarchy. They're they're basically transcendence. It's the four ways we achieve transcendence by knowing God, by finding freedom, by discovering our purpose, and by making a difference. They unlock all the others, And really, when you think about all the chaos in our culture, it's everybody clamoring after their own needs, everybody clamoring, pay attention to my esteem needs, pay attention to my safety needs, pay attention to my physical needs. And listen, as Christians, we want to meet all those needs. That's one of our dreams as a church, is to be a church that supplies all of their needs out of God's glorious riches in Christ Jesus. But ultimately, people need to come to the greatest need of all, and that's their need for God, their need for transcendence. Because sometimes I think when we go and we pray before God, God's up in heaven saying, oh, loved ones, yes, I, I could meet all of your needs right now. I, I, could, I could answer all of your prayers today. I could give you all of the political candidates that would make you feel more secure that would just tell you what you want to hear. But you know what? All of that, loved ones, that's temporary, right? Even worse, you're going to lose it all anyway because of sin. I, don't, I know you think you're a big deal, but you're kind of not. You know what I'm saying? That's why I had to send Jesus to die for you, okay? That's, I think if we could just see things from God's perspective, and God's like, really what you need, instead of all the things that you think you need, all the things that you pray for, what you really need is you need something bigger than your problems. You need a mission from heaven. You need transcendence. Sometimes God solves our problems and sometimes he gives us a mission bigger than our problems. And then we realize that our problems are not so big, right? Listen, church, your joy is not going to come from getting all of your needs met. Only God's dream can fulfill you and there is no political or personal solution that will ever satisfy for long. Rather, Luke 9, 24 says, Jesus put it this way, whoever loses his life, for my sake, will find it. In other words, whoever stops obsessing over their needs will suddenly meet their needs. That's a paraphrase of what Jesus is saying. And think about how countercultural that is right now. Think about how countercultural that is right now. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. You see, I believe that we are living in the middle of a clash of worldviews. And it's easy in the midst of all this clash of worldviews to miss the very foundation of what we actually believe the Bible teaches. We're not grounded. In, in, In a world that's like an ocean, just throwing people about on the wind and the waves, we have an anchor. Or do we? And that's what I want to post to you today. Is I, I'm really church. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you an anchor for your soul because I've noticed a lot of a lot of Christians they've lost their anchor. They've lost their foothold. They've lost. And, and don't get me wrong. I do believe that we can go out and help people meet their needs. I do believe in in, in becoming better as a culture. I do believe in in, in addressing the needs of our of our, our of our country. But I I I just want to I, I want to stop and for a second and just revisit the very foundations of. Christianity. Christianity. That's why last week at Substance, I keep saying, listen, right now, our goal is simple, to listen, to learn, to serve, repeat. Listen, learn, serve, repeat. And the reason why these verbs are so important is because they get us focused on transcendence. They get us focused on the kingdom of heaven. And instead, instead of making a point, we make a difference. Instead of creating opinions. We create solutions. Instead of just being critics, we become coaches with a relationship with the people that we're, we're engaging. It's different. And that's why we say here at Substance, you need ministry more than we need you in ministry. I don't, you know, like it's not about me getting you to serve some of my vision. Ultimately, I, I'm just trying to give you, get you into the conduit of heaven. I, I, I'm trying to get you guys to experience the blessings and the legacy that can only come from listening Learning, serving, repeat. Are you hearing me? And as one last example of this, I, this last week uh, we've been doing these Love the City outreaches. And uh, we're doing another one today at Northtown. People are gonna be packing groceries. We're filling a refrigerated truck, bringing in it to our downtown campus, doing grocery distribution, um, just loving on our city. And of course, uh, this, this, we're doing this every single week now. And, and in and this last week, you guys, oh, just to end with a story. This last week, we met a woman who came to our downtown campus and she had not eaten food in over three days because she couldn't afford it. She couldn't afford it. And she had not eaten food in three days. In fact, she was so desperate and so hungry that she went to a grocery store and she was in this grocery store, just looking at all this food thinking, oh, I'm so hungry and yet I can't afford any of it. And she got a cart and she started putting some of, these foods into this cart. And yet every time she would put it in there, she knew I can't afford this. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? And she thought, all I have to do is figure out how to shoplift this. I just need to get this food out of the store somehow so I can eat. In other words, she felt stuck at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy. She felt felt stuck just with a physical need and it was all that she could think about. And in the midst of this, she suddenly felt convicted and she's like, this is not who I am. I'm not gonna shoplift this food. And she finally ended up just abandoning the cart full of food and walked home just totally depressed, completely hopeless, dejected, just not knowing where to go. Well, she got home and as she was walking to her apartment, she suddenly heard someone mentioned, hey, that, that red church over there, they're offering free food. If, you, if you're hungry, if you need food, just go over there. And of course, she was, they were talking about our downtown campus this last week. And, and so she was like, really? Like they're offering free food? And she's like, and so she immediately grabbed a small bag and she, she started running over to our downtown campus. And... Um, and she came up to one of our team members and she said, is it true that you guys are offering free food? Do you, do you, think, do you think I could maybe take this bag and just fill a couple things in this bag? And of course, well, our, our team member looked at that small bag and was like, forget the tiny bag. We're gonna fill an entire cart for you and we're gonna bring it straight to your apartment. And she was just stunned, like, really? In fact, not only are we gonna fill a whole cart full of groceries for you, hey, just so you know, we're here every single week right now. In fact, we're gonna be doing this every single week. And if you know other people that, that have a need in their life, just tell them to come out. We're, we're a church that helps people. And that lady was so moved in that moment that she confessed her temptation from earlier in the day. She confessed filling a cart full of things she was about to shoplift and listen to what she said. She told one of our team members, she goes, you know what I know now? God's got my back. God's got my back. Listen, church, people may start coming to us for food, but you know what's gonna happen? Over time, they're gonna return for a bigger need. They're gonna come back for God. And you know what, after they come back for God, they're gonna experience the goodness and kindness of God. They're gonna hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. And over time, they're gonna come back, not just for God, but they're gonna come back for freedom. And you know what? When they start experiencing freedom in their lives, freedom over their personal desires, freedom over their their selfishness, their narcissism, they're gonna start, their, their, their coworkers and friends are gonna say, man, something's different about you. You're living free. And they're gonna be like, you know what? They're gonna start coming back to our church for something different. You know what they're gonna do? They're gonna come back for purpose. Are you seeing how this works? Someday, I just really believe by faith that very lady we helped last week, she's gonna lead hundreds to Christ with her testimony, heck, she might even become a future campus pastor, why? Because that's, God sees big dreams for people. And I wanna be a part of a church that believes big dreams for all people because that's how Christ thinks. But where does it start? It starts by you and I starting with one simple thing, looking inside of our own hearts and saying, God, I don't know what is so empty in my own heart, but would you meet that need? And that's why God brought some of you to church today is because You've been searching for solutions out there and God's like, oh, loved one, I've got all that you need. Jesus says, I know what you need even before you ask. Matthew 6, 8. And God will supply all that you need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 19. Would you come to him? Would you come to him right now? And maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Christ or maybe you have, but uh, you've kind of, Gotten distracted with other things, and you just want to press the reset button here today. This is what we're going to do: is we're just going to give our lives to Christ. And if you've if you've never prayed that prayer, just as the moment I start praying, I want you to text the word substance to three one nine nine six. Or if you're watching at substancechurch.com, just press the raise hand button. And, and and just as an act of faith, and I believe that God is going to show up wherever you are at. So again, if you want to give your life to Christ or press the reset button, just text substance to three one nine nine six. And I believe God's. Going believe God's. to do something awesome in your life right here as we just end in prayer. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me right now? Heavenly Father, you see the needs of our culture. And God, I pray that every single person here would anchor their soul to you. And Lord, what we believe that means is that you will provide all of our needs as we surrender to you. And church, if you're agreeing with what I'm praying, then just repeat this after me. Say this, say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Renew me and lead me starting today and for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Do you agree with that prayer? Amen.